Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And staying on weather, I would be keeping umbrellas pretty close by and have one with you at all times if you're heading out because uh, weather forecasters are warning us of strong winds with heavy rain over the coming days. And of course, the big worry now with the heavy rain is it could and may cause a flooding uh, because many areas are still recovering from Storm Dennis. And of course, Storm Dennis, before that, we'd had Storm Kira, which both those storms brought an awful lot of heavy rain with it Um, and so we've had weeks of recent heavy rain which has left ground across the country absolutely saturated and if you're driving by or see any of the rivers at the moment many of them are elevated and that gives the increased risk of flooding when this heavy rain arrives over the coming days there's going to be more rain, there's rain today more expected tomorrow. Now some areas of the country actually have a yellow rainfall warning at the moment we don't have it here in Cork it's sort of the Connacht and then Longford, Donegal, Clare. Now Kerry has a yellow rain warning at the moment. It could change. They could extend that to Cork as well but certainly we're going to experience heavy rain uh, right across today, tomorrow, Saturday and into Sunday and the worst of it uh, by all accounts is going to be Saturday night and into uh, Sunday. So keep dry uh, is the advice today. Uh, 1850 John Paul taking your calls this morning. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 Three. And today, for all members of the 33rd Dole, it kind of feels like the first day back at a school because today the Dole will formally sit and the outline of what happens is they will sit at noon. Now, they can remain in place until 8 o'clock tonight. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. The TDs, I imagine... Many of them have already started to arrive. I think for the new TDs and for the, their first time going into Dáil Air and they arrive with family and friends and it's a nice photo opportunity. So there's, uh, I imagine there's lots of hugs and 
celebratory pats on the back going on in Dáil Éireann and that will continue I imagine up until uh, 12 noon today and then the formalities all of their names are read out of the 160 TDs that were elected what 11 days ago now and then the first significant piece of business of course is to elect the Count Corla who is the chair of the Dáil now it's, it comes with a, it's, a, it's an important job but it's a I wouldn't say it's a handy job but uh, it certainly comes with a number of perks. There's a salary of 175,000. I didn't realise just how high the Count Corla salary is, but that's what it is, 175,000. And of course, I suppose the big bonus of the Count Corla's job is they automatically get elected at the next election if they decide to run again. So they don't have to worry about going on and canvassing. They don't have to worry about missing their seat. And that, I suppose, is to do with the fact that they're not able to do as much work on the ground as a normal TD would be doing in the hope of gardening votes for their next time out. So because of that, they get automatic entitlement to hang on to their seat. Now, there's two people have put their names for the outgoing Count Corla, Sean O'Farreel, uh, for Fianna Fáil and then there's also the independent TD Dennis Nocton he's put his name forward when he got the required seven TDs signatures so each of those two candidates what happens is shortly after 12 they get the chance to speak they get five minutes each to say why the TDs should vote for them then there's a secret ballot once the TDs are called up to deposit their votes into the ballot box then the it all is adjourned um, and then at about 1pm to half past one then the votes are counted in the Senate's anteroom. room uh, the Count Corla of course is always independent and impartial so it's expected at this stage that Sean O'Farreel if he does get elected he then is going to reduce the Fianna Fáil numbers it means Fianna Fáil they're currently at 38 TDs if Sean O'Farreel doesn't get elected as Count Corler. So that would bring Fianna Fáil down to 37, which would put them the same as Sinn Féin and both those parties ahead of Fianna Gael who are on at 35. Now the Dáil will reconvene at 4 o'clock and they'll reconvene for half an hour until 4.30. That's when the results of the vote on the new Count Corler will take their seat and then after kind of a little bit of congratulations, the Count Corler would then seek for nominations for Taoiseach. Now, what happens here here is the outgoing Taoiseach will be the first even though we know he doesn't have uh, enough votes but he will be the first to be nominated as Taoiseach. He'll be proposed and seconded by Bernard Durkin. He's Bernard Durkin has been picked because he's the party's longest serving TD. But then Emer Higgins, always the youngest, get to play a role on this day. So she's the youngest of the new TDs for Fina Gale. So she will also get to propose Leo uh, Varadkar. And then, of course, he's expected to get 35 votes. Then you have the Fianna Fáil leader, Micheál Martin. He'll be up next. Now, he's going to be nominated by two new TDs, Norma Foley and young James O'Connor from Cork East, who is now holds the title of the baby of the Dáil. I don't know how we like to feel about that, but he is the youngest. He was the youngest TD to be elected. Uh, James is just uh, 22. Micheál Martin is expected to get the 38 votes from his um, uh, party but that'll be 37 obviously if uh, Sean O'Farreel is a Count Corla. Then he um, then next up will be Sinn Féin's Mary Lou Macdonald she will have her own 37 TDs voting for her but this is where it'll get a bit interesting because she's expected to get more votes Solidarity People Before Profit Richard Boyd Barrett's group they say I know Solidarity People Before Profit are expected to vote uh, Richard Boyd Barrett said it'll vote for Mary Lou 
as he wants to create a left-led government. However, they'll only vote for her to go into government if she doesn't agree to go into government with Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael. So certainly their votes are not permanent at the moment where it's expected that, they, that they'll vote for Mary Lou uh, today. So that would bring her up to 42 votes. Then the Green Party, they get a chance. Eamon Ryan is going to be uh, nominated and obviously the Greens have 12 TDs so he will get 12 votes. So after the nominations so there'll be speeches setting out where each party, where they stand and where the TDs stand. And then that will be followed by voting on each nomination. Now, the votes are manual. So that means that the TDs have to walk through the lobbies at the back of the Dáil Chamber. They they won't be doing the electronic voting. So there'll be no phantom voters uh, today. They have to physically walk through the Dáil Chambers, walk through, through the lobbies. It's the old-fashioned way of doing it. And one of the reasons for that is they haven't been assigned their seats at the moment, so they can't do the electronic voting. The remaining groups will be watched carefully to see which way they walk and which where their intentions are at the moment. Social Democrats are not convinced that the numbers are there for a left government. The Labour Party... Most political commentators are saying probably won't vote for anyone because they've already stated um, that they're just interested in a time in opposition. So it doesn't look like they'll vote for anyone to be Taoiseach. The Rural Independents. Now, the Rural Independents are Matthew McGrath, the Healy Rays, our old Michael Collins from West Cork. And they've now added Carol Nolan and Richard O'Donoghue to their ranks. So their ranks are swelling at the moment, but they don't all vote together. So they'll all have their own in whatever way they want to vote and where the remaining votes will go pivotal but nobody knows at this stage but it's not expected that there will be a Taoiseach that, will fo- that government will be formed today. I think everybody everybody knows that that's not going to happen. So what happens then? The doll will get adjourned for it's expected about two weeks which will bring us up to the 3rd of March and that's obviously to allow another two weeks of talks after the business of the day is completed, then the Overadker has to go to Orson Uchtaron to tender his resignation to Michael D. Higgins, because obviously he hasn't been re-elected as Taoiseach. But Leo Varadkar and the government will stay on until a successor is elected, whenever that will be. And that's when the real guessing game begins. How long is it going to take? Um, I saw um, and heard Michal Martin yesterday Um, saying that he says a deal he reckons that will lead to the formation of a new government. He reckons it may not be finalised until April. He was speaking at his parliamentary party meeting yesterday. He reckons it could take two months before a new government is formed and I keep referring back to the fact that that's what happened last time round. That's what happened in 2016. It took more than uh, two months. It took 76 days in total. went from February right up to April. We're looking at pretty much the same thing. I think we are. I really think we are at this stage. Unless during the next six weeks, some next two weeks when they take this break for everyone to get back talking, unless something happens in, in that two weeks. But it's it seems unlikely. It's just looking at the numbers. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Anyway, that's what's happening today. First day back at the office for the 33rd doll and then they'll all go home again for another two weeks. 1850 Talking of new TD, somebody sent in a text saying, Patricia, could you tell me please, where is the nearest Shin 
Féin TD to the North Cork area to be contacted. Well, there is a Sinn Féin TD elected for the North Cork area. North Cork area, depends on what part of North Cork you're talking about. If you're talking about like Mallow, Formoy, Mitchellstown, that general area, if you class that as North Cork, just don't know where in North Cork you're talking about, then Pat Buckley was elected for Cork East, which covers that area. And Pat Buckley is got re-elected as a Sinn Féin TD and he is based in Middleton. If you're then talking about North Cork being the McCroom side of it, Cork North West, then there isn't a Sinn Féin candidate because that was the only constituency in the country that Sinn Féin didn't even field uh, a candidate. So I would say your closest would be Pat Buckley in... Middleton would be the, the closest uh, TD for Sinn Féin to you. 1850 Just a couple of other texts that are in. Dennis said, um, this is when we were talking about post offices yesterday. Remember yesterday we had Paddy O'Shea on, which is the call for the future government to provide funding to make sure that the post offices that we have, we've just under a thousand post offices at the moment, that they remain in place and that they're made financially viable. Uh, Dennis says, Patricia, I texted in yesterday, but you probably didn't get around to it. Grand, no hassle. But it's pointless for the post offices to even suggest offering driving licence renewal, as you can now renew your driving licence online with the NDLS. They will be better off spending money on developing other services, says uh, Dennis. Um, thank you for that, Dennis. And I think when Paddy mentioned when we spoke about other services, and you know the driving licence gets mentioned road tax I think is the big one that always gets mentioned when we look at services that could be done uh, now to the post office I think the reason that the driving licence still gets mentioned is at the time when the NDLS before the NDLS was set up it was put out to tender the company that would take over the running of renewing driving licence and the post office at the time put in a big pitch for it and there was postmasters all over the country so this is great it would be fantastic service and you know most people live close to a post office so everybody would have the service near them in which to get their driving licence and they didn't get it and instead the company the NDLS who run the driving licence they won the contract uh, instead so I think that's why driving licences get mentioned I don't think the post offices are considering that they that they would they would do it now but I think it's just used as an example of a service that could have been put in place that would have helped post offices so I do think that's the reason that it is actually mentioned. When I was talking about the 33rd doll and their first day back at school John says it may be short lived you could be right on that and uh, hi this is St Clare and Mallow good morning Patricia there has been another death at the Ballybeg Benz just outside of Buttevant this week I cannot understand in this day and age that they can't cut through the Ballybeg quarry and straighten that road for once and for all. That quarry hasn't been used in years. The Bens have taken so many lives over the years. This could be avoided by taking out those bad Bens completely and just simply making it a straight route road through the quarry says uh, Claire in Mallow yeah very saddened to hear of that accident the night before last and the, the road was closed for most of yesterday uh, because uh, of it uh, we haven't a name as of yet of the, the of I, I, I heard it's a gentleman that uh, passed away and actually Herbert as I say there's been no confirmation that uh, he's not from uh, the country 
Um, he's a non-national, but so sad. I was just thinking of his poor family getting getting that uh, phone call, but no confirmation on the man's name yet. But yes, another very tragic death on what is a lethal, lethal uh, piece of road. Uh, we will be talking actually about that road today, Claire, on the programme, because in a couple of minutes we're going to be getting the details of the briefing that was given yesterday to public representatives from Limerick Council and Cork County Council yesterday on the proposed Cork-Limerick motorway. And of course, if the Cork-Limerick motorway goes ahead, uh, then we hopefully, for once and for all, will be able to sort out those really bad bends going into Botovan. So we will uh, be talking about on what is probably one of the most dangerous roads in the country, that road between Cork and uh, Limerick. And it's just so sad to think uh, another life taken and families a family and friends absolutely devastated over the loss of a loved one. May that poor man uh, rest in peace. So we will uh, talk about the proposed new Cork Limerick motorway on the programme uh, today. We'll hear about a GoFundMe campaign that has been set up to help a North Cork family whose dad, a man in his late 30s, is living with motor neuron. And there is a fund being set up because of his current housing arrangement, just not suitable for somebody with motor neuron. And there's this campaign set up to adapt a house to make it perfect for him and for his little family. There's two small children in this particular family. So we'll speak with a family friend on the programme today. We'll hear of that research that came out early in the, earlier in the week that's showing the overuse of inhalers by asthma sufferers can actually lead to death by some asthma patients. So we want to talk around that whole issue. If you suffer from asthma, you have a family member suffering from asthma, do you know the correct way to use those inhalers and how often are you using the uh, inhalers? We'll have an expert on the programme if anybody has a question with regard to asthma, get it into us please. A member of Vangarda Shikona will join us for our crime file and then Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group uh, will join us answering all of your pet questions. Early in the week we were talking about air codes and how many people use air codes because there was a, a survey out showing, I think it was in it, six in ten people say that they have never or rarely used their air coat. And I have to say a lot of our listeners disputed that because the amount of people who contacted us to say they find the air coat absolutely fantastic if it's to give directions to somebody to find their house or they're regularly using it if they're buying packages that have got to be delivered by couriers. Well, we had a phone call in from Jim who rang us from San Francisco to share his story. He was obviously listening to us online. He said it, this happened about two years ago when his dad passed away and he sent a package back to Ireland from San Francisco using UPS, the courier firm. Now he said he paid extra so that he could get next day delivery of the package. Now he said because of time difference he wasn't able to contact UPS in America. So this is when the package hadn't arrived. So he ended up making contact with UPS in London but they couldn't get an update on the tracking even though he had included the air code. Finally he ended up contacting UPS in Germany where he explained his query that the package hadn't arrived. They were able to track the package for him but they told him, somebody at UPS in Germany told him that the UPS drivers in Ireland don't use aircoat. Instead, he was told, the drivers have a type of picture book of houses in their vans. Now, he said that was two years ago. 
doesn't know if it's still the same. So he's wondering if UPS have updated their systems and do they now use air codes. And the package was important because he was sending over 100 memorial cards that had been printed in the States and he was it was for his dad's funeral and they wanted to distribute them at the funeral and they ended up arriving three days late which were of absolutely no use to them when, you, when they needed them obviously for, for on the day of the Mass. Uh, he wanted them for so that was hugely, hugely disappointing to him and costly as well because he had, you know, paid out all this extra money for, for next day delivery. But isn't that uh, incredible that the UPS, the actual a, a courier company saying that they don't use air code. And as Jim said, that was two years ago and the air code came in four years ago. So it would have been in situ at that stage two years. It would have been well bedded in. You would have assumed at that stage if there'd been any teething problems within two years, it'd be well over. So I don't know. He contacted us anyway to see does anybody else know? I don't know if there's anybody from UPS uh, listening to us. Do they use air code uh, or not? 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. We're going to take a break and we are back talking about the proposed Cork Limerick motorway yet again. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow, Smokeless Coal, Turf, Gas and Kiln Dried Wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103 Now yesterday, Limerick City and County Council hosted a briefing for public representatives giving an update on the proposed M20 motorway between Cork and Limerick. Joining me to discuss what was revealed yesterday, North Cork councillors Gorod Murphy and uh, Frank Flynn. Good morning to you, gentlemen. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks for having me. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Good morning, listeners. You're both very welcome. Now, Gorod, uh, firstly, uh, the route that has been recommended for the motorway, good news for the North Cork area in particular. Yeah, definitely. It's a very encouraging sign. It's something that I have been fighting for since I was co-opted almost three years ago. And I know um, Councillor O'Flynn and uh, many of my other colleagues um, will have been fighting for it much longer than that. It's been a saga which has been ongoing for quite a while. And unfortunately, there's still quite a bit of distance to go. Um, there's been no money committed yet, you know, in terms of a binding commitment or anything like that on the government. Um, but what has been decided is that if a road is to be built, um, it will be built between um, Cork, Mallow, Butterfield, Charleville and then on to Limerick. And uh, that's uh, something that hadn't been kind of out of the woods really until... Does that does yesterday. that mean that the care to Limerick route is now off the agenda? That's exactly what it means. And it's it's great news really because I suppose just from a road safety perspective, there it's been shown the current N20 is the second most dangerous road in the country Traffic studies have shown that 253 collisions are not, not collisions, but traffic incidents happened over the last eight years. That's around one every two weeks, and seven of which were sadly fatal. So, and we had another one to add to that on just on Tuesday. Yes, it's um, it's very unfortunate. Uh, it, it, I, I suppose I, I really don't like to comment on uh, tra- you know tragedies uh, that have happened locally, but. Um, Really, it's just one of a, a large number, um, you know, that have happened. And uh, I mean, one even is too many um, in terms of fatal collisions. And um, it, it's a real tragedy for those involved. OK, let me bring in uh, Councillor Frank of, uh, Franco Flynn. Do you believe at last common sense has, has prevailed and this is the correct route? 
Well, I'm delighted, first of all, that a decision is made, as uh, just as the listeners know, they looked at nine scenarios in relation to what they would do in connecting Cork to Limerick, or Limerick to Cork, uh, the second and the top cities in Ireland. And it's very important that we, we now have a final decision, because as everyone knows, we were almost ready to go to, out to tender in 2011, with 20 million spent, we had the, the preferred route, and uh, uh, and all, uh, at the very last moment, the Minister for Transport, the time actually, Leo Verica, pulled, pulled the road. But they looked at the different routes, and they looked at nine scenarios. That's from Cork to Mitchton and Decatur. They used them, um, whether they're going to use bus and rail, and they, did, and they used whether they go from Blarney or from Cork City. So nine in all, and they've come down now, and I'm delighted, and I agree with that road. They've finally agreed on the corridor should be between Cork and Limerick. And in Limerick, we're talking about the roundabout going in place at Patrick's Well. That is a very, very good decision. And I'm now delighted that phase two then, in actual fact, will be they now examine the options. And there is a change from 2011 on to let the listeners know, because you have to make a business case and you have to meet uh, the government's spending code. So they'll have to look at the options, whether it is um, with the, the motorway, with the road, rail and bus. Now, I know, and I think at the end of the day, they will come down in favour of the motorway, but they have to look at the different options in making the case. Uh, that is now in place, and they'll also, and the listeners know, there'll be full public consultation um, in place at the same time, and they've actually written to all the landowners, and there's 850 landowners affected by the new proposed motorway and the corridor. So they've written to those, there'll be full public consultation, and the intention is, by the end of this year, up to Christmas, there will be a final decision on the, on the preferred route. They will offer three or four to the public. The public will have to say, along with the politicians and everything, but also the landowners. And I hope that we will have a preferred route in place by the end of this year. Okay. Then, of course, the next phase is we'll go to design and the environment impact. That'll take quite a while. Yeah, we're, we're, we're many, many years away from anybody driving yeah. on, on this and road. Finally, then, Patricia and listeners, you have to go down to Borkenola. And that could take another year. There could be objections. So I would say you're talking about 2025, 2026. But the most important thing is this. We were told this at the meeting in Charleville. And there was members there from Cork County Council, members from Tipperary County Council and Limerick County Council, and staff from both, and members of the TI. That we finally have decided that the motorway, the corridor, is to go from Cork to Limerick to Patrick's Well. Okay. And I think that is a very, very good decision. And, and another thing, as I said, we have finality now where it's going to go because there was a lot of pressure on where would it go? Because it's very important to take the traffic out of the towns of Mallow, Burdison and Charleville. And you're talking about between up to eight to 10,000. And you're talking about giving those towns back to the people. And everyone knows, because I'm very much involved also, is the road from Pomoy to Mallow mm. and the road from Mitchellstown to Mallow. And, the very, and I asked that question yesterday in relation to relief road. It's very, very important that we keep our eye on that because Mallow, with or without the motorway, Need a relief road. Okay. Let me just bring back in um, Gorod. I mean, Gorod, I take it you can't overemphasize the importance from an economic point of view uh, to, to this road. Yeah, I would completely agree. So there's the road safety aspect, uh, which I already mentioned. There's the economic benefit aspect. It's so important that we have Cork and Limerick well connected infrastructurally to act as a counterbalance to. To Dublin and that we have balanced regional development and the motorway will be an essential part of this. The, the study actually found that this route has the fastest journey time, it has the best potential to minimise the number, thankfully, of road traffic collisions on the route. It can give the greatest relief of traffic to the towns and villages, um, as uh, Councillor uh, Franco Flynn just alluded to, um, and it provides the best 
opportunities for connections to existing and proposed public transport. So it's really the best route when it, everything's considered. But in terms of economic development, I completely agree with you in terms of attracting investment to the region. The reality is that you know, a motorway is pretty much expected for large-scale industrial development these days. And that's not even getting into the added convenience for local businesses that are already there and the potential for those to expand. And, of course, the added convenience for local residents across yeah, North Cork. And, and actually, right. it's often forgotten West Limerick as well, because that would have been left completely out in the cold, um, as well as northwest Cork, the Duhallow region, um, if the motorway had gone through care or any of the other potential Well, it's, it's long, long overdue. I'll leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you for that. Thank and uh, thanks... Thank Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Good morning Thanks to you. Sir. That is uh, councillors uh, Franco Flynn and uh, Gerold uh, Murphy uh, with the news. Now, the public consultation will take place in the latter part of this year with the preferred option within the N20 corridor identified soon after that. So we will keep you updated on that story. 1850 333 103. Uh, Bill in was on. This is about elections and the fact that I mentioned this is the first day of the 33rd Dáil. They're all meeting they will be meeting for the first time at 12 o'clock today. Bill wonders, should all posters be taken down by now following the election? Yes, they've got seven days and we're where are we at? Day 11, I think, following the election. So yes, they should have all been down within a week. Uh, Bill was in two towns yesterday and he saw Fianna Fáil posters still up. One was in Clonakilty and one was in Skibbereen with the people who put up the Fianna Fáil posters. Please go back. Clonakilty and Skibbereen you've left some posters behind. Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103. A young North Cork family whose father has been diagnosed with motor neuron disease are appealing for help to build a home that they can all live in. Close family friend of the Spillane family is Jennifer O'Sullivan. Sullivan, who joins me with details of the fundraising campaign. Good morning to you, Jennifer. Hi, Patricia. How are I'm, you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, we're speaking about Jer Spillane and his wife, Jackie. And I know they have two small children. Noah is seven and Faye is four, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Now, just yeah. outline to us, what are their current living conditions? So, at the moment, they're in a rented, semi-detached house in Mitchestown, County Cork. Okay. And the house that they're currently living in, there's no downstairs bedroom or no downstairs bathroom. So Ger was diagnosed with motor neuron disease last November at only 38 years of age. And because the house they're currently living in isn't suitable for his needs, it's not wheelchair accessible, they now have to renovate a 300-year-old farmhouse to make it adaptable for his future needs. And, and we're just trying to raise the money to help them with... And where where is the farmhouse? It's in Kilbehenny, County Limerick, so it's just okay. five kilometres outside Mitchelstown. Out, out the road. And that's it was it, that's a family property, is it? Yeah, so it's Jackie's grandmother's house, okay. but it hasn't been lived in for quite some time. 
Jackie's nana is in her 90th year and she's currently living in sheltered accommodation for the elderly in Mitchester. And she said she can take on the house and do what you yeah, like with it. Isn't that fantastic? She, can, she just wants to see them looked after. So that's why this is their only option because um, since Jared's diagnosis, he hasn't been able to return to work. Jackie works as a special need assistant in Ballygiblin National School, but Jackie is going to have to give up her job and become Jared's full-time carer. Yeah. So they can't qualify for a mortgage. God help them. God. And and up to that point in November, life moving along as normal, probably getting ready for Christmas, all the yeah, normal stresses absolutely. and strains. Like, you know, everything was fine. Both families have been through a lot of tragedies and losses in the, pla- in the past, but they never expected this to happen. Just one of Jarrah's hands, he was kind of losing numbness, losing feeling a bit. Yeah. They didn't think much of it. And then he was diagnosed with motor neuron. And since November, it has now spread to both his hands and his arms. So he has very little strength left in his arms. And it's dreadful. That, and, and he, as everybody knows, he will end up in a wheelchair. He will end up needing a lot of care. Exactly. It's like um, when we found out Jar had motor neuron, I didn't really understand it. I knew it was a terrible disease, but I haven't witnessed anybody with it before. So when I was looking it up, I saw a quotation that described it and it said, motor neuron can only be described as the doctor's enemy because there is no cure. And it progresses differently in everybody. Some people are lucky enough to get two years. Some people might get five years. But you just don't know how fast it's going to spread. And God forbid, if this house isn't ready, by the time Jerry's in a wheelchair, if that day comes, you know, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because the current house that they're living in there isn't even space downstairs to put a bed. And that's, that's only a rental, it's only it's a rental property, so, yeah, so they can't even do anything. House. They don't they own it, they can't yeah. build on it, they can't do anything, it's, it's in a housing estate. And, and how, you know, as a young couple with two young children, how are they coping themselves, um, Jennifer? How are they doing? Look, I think they're just gone into survival mode at the moment. Um, they're devastated. Obviously, two small children. Um, they've been through an awful lot in the past already. Jackie lost her dad to cancer when she was only 10. Her mum died of cancer two years ago, oh. July 2017. She died in Marymount Hospice. And that was her second time battling can- cancer. She had breast can- cancer a few years ago, got the treatment, then got ovarian cancer and died from that. And then only a month, after her mum dying in Marymount, Ger's dad died in Marymount from cancer. And Ger has also lost his only sister in a freak drowning accident when she, the, uh, his sister was only 19 years of age. So they've seen an awful lot of tragedy and illness. And for this to be put in them now as well, it's, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. They're devastated. They've had a lifetime of loss. They, they, yeah. This is, they they need a little bit of a leg up. They need a little bit of, exactly. of, of help. So you and another friend decided you do a GoFundMe page. Exactly. So myself and Adrian Ring, who's another very close friend of Jackie and Jers, we came together last Friday night to set up this GoFundMe page just to try and ease the financial pressure as much as we could. Yeah. 
for them and we have been blown away by the support in just over five days. So I just want to thank absolutely everybody who has donated and shared the GoFundMe page so far. And if anybody could spare, if it's only five euros, every single euro that's donated is appreciated so, so much. And it's all going towards making a home that's adaptable for this family. Have you ever got involved in something like this before, Jennifer? Never. Absolutely <laughs> never. And I'm terrified going on the radio. Well, you're, well, you're, you're doing really well. And, you, and you're, you are a great little fundraiser. I'll tell you that. I checked the page. I mean, you've set a goal of 40,000, but obviously if you get more than that, happy days. Yeah, like the, the bill for the house is 150,000. Okay. That's what the builder has priced it. And it's a local builder who has been so supportive Brilliant. of Brilliant. But... 300 years old it hasn't been lived in for a long time the whole house needs to be gutted an extension needs to be put on for a downstairs bedroom it needs to be re-roofed storage needs to be done there's so much to be done to it and that bill of 150,000 that only gets it to a livable state it doesn't include second fixing painting driveway anything like that or a kitchen it's just to, to get the work that has to be done done. Yeah, and you know, I uh, and it's a gorgeous. I, I saw the picture up on the on the fa- on the GoFundMe page. It's yeah. uh, and it's the Jersey Spillane uh, fund. We'll be directing people that to the GoFundMe page, and it's the cutest little house. I mean, it, it yeah, really is gorgeous. Lovely. But you worry with a three hundred year old house when they start to do the work. You know, exactly. You don't know what kind of yeah. So they, they need to have a contingency. They need to have a contingency fund exactly. in place. So the more money that can be raised, the better. You're at yeah. twenty three thousand three hundred and eighty euro in yeah. less than a week. Is yeah, in Incredible. It's, it's just incredible. It's absolutely fantastic. And there's a lot of local fundraisers being done as well. So like the communities of Kilbehenny, Ballygiblin, Mitchestown, Kildare have been absolutely amazing. Like the amount of support that has rallied around them. Like it's so comforting for them in such an awful time. But we're just pleading that if anybody further afield can spare as much as five euros to go towards it, it all adds up and we really, really appreciate it. every euro that's donated to the page. And I, I know the community in Kilbehany well. They are an amazing bunch when it comes to fundraising. They're, it's unbelievable. They're, they're I incredible. I think we're blessed yeah. to be where we're from yeah. because the community spirit is unreal. And, you know, any family that has ever gone through a hard time in the locality, the support is always overwhelming. Uh, they, they will wrap their arms around the Spillane family, I'm telling exactly. you, that community will, and look after them. And it's Ger Spillane, spelled J-E-R, yeah. folks, yeah, if, if you're looking for it. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's J-E-R and we'll put it up on our uh, Facebook page as well. We'll share it and the whole idea as well. We want people to donate but if you can share the GoFundMe page as well because you never know somebody else reading it picks it up, sees this incredible story exactly. and, and they're able to uh, help out. And I imagine the reaction from the fundraising point of view is giving the little family a bit of a lift, is it at the oh, moment, Jennifer? unbelievable. Like, you know, he was diagnosed just before Christmas their whole lives were torn apart overnight. They had the financial worry on top of it. And at the time, they didn't even really realise how much was going to be costing to, to fix up the house to a livable state. And when they got that bill of 150000 like they don't have access to that kind of money. They're a 
extremely down to earth. Always have been really simple living. There's no airs and graces. And for that financial burden to be put on top yeah. of them in, as well as everything else. Is and as you so say, worrying. they can't get mortgages. It's not as simple as I will go to the bank and, and, and will borrow. Listen, no. we will stay in contact with you, Jennifer. Will you pass on our best wishes to Jura oh, and to course. Jackie and to the kids? And they're, they're very blessed to have you and, and Adrian as good friends because good friends Thanks. are really important at this time. Listen, I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today. Thanks so much, Patricia. Good morning to you. God bless, God bless, God bless. That is uh, Jennifer O'Sullivan speaking on behalf of the Spillane family from North Cork. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now on post offices, we were talking about people needing to use post offices on top of what we mentioned yesterday about the new government being asked to financially support post offices so that they remain in place and the social aspect and how important post offices are, particularly in very rural areas where it can literally be the last business standing. A listener says, I know we all need to use the post offices more, but people just don't have the time to go there, especially those who are working. As you know, it's impossible for workers to get time off work so we just have to do what is convenient for us we have to change with the times and I absolutely accept that, that there are people who are simply time poor and don't so so doing things online is so much more convenient but there are other people who do have do have more slightly more time in their hands uh, who can use the post offices and just for whatever reason choose uh, not to and then James in Cloyne trying to use the post office he said I went into the post office this morning and I couldn't even get a tax renewal form there was one time when the post office would always have the tax renewal forms. So they're talking about boosting the post offices but they need to have services and when you go there they need to be able to do what you want to do. I ended up going to my local Garda station. Guess what? They didn't have any either. So I had to ring the motor tax office and they are now going to post one out to me instead. So James and Cloyne who had a little bit of a frustrating morning for sure. Now on the M20 when we were discussing the new proposed uh, motorway this morning and the briefing that was held yesterday showing where the new route is going to be. John in Butterfant was listening to Councillor Frank O'Flynn when he was talking about how long it's going to take and Frank mentioned that now we're at the process public consultation kicks in later this year but also in, they now need to talk to all of the landowners involved. John in Butterfant said do they not already have those talks with landowners? Do they not install a railing inside the road near uh, Charleville? Have they not already had all those talks? Why are they going back and starting talks uh, again? Um, do they have to start everything all over again? It does look to me like they are going back to square one because remember it was all ready to go in 20, 2011 and then of course the economic downturn it got pulled from anything I'm reading, it does look like they've turned the clock back and they literally are back to square one all over again. And obviously that's going to further add to the delays. Um, and on the delay, actually on that subject of the delays, I have um, Anna uh, joins me from Bandon. Good morning to you, Anna. Hi. Uh, Anna, now you're in Bandon, but you're originally from Tipperary, so you know the area well and, and you've used the roads a lot. Oh, Patricia, I um, I came to Cork um uh, when I was eighteen, I came to college. Um, you know, I had 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 the greatest greatest time, and um, I've been just travelling up and down home to see parents, family. Um, for I'm thirty thirty four now, going on thirty five, and just hearing, uh, I I tuned in just halfway through to the councillors, and um, thinking that it's another ten years. Yeah. Um, 
my my parents are they're they're doing great, you know. They're getting getting elderly now, and I have a little boy, and it's just so hard to hear this. That that uh, you know, as you said, what what John from Bolton said as well. That they're going back to back to the drawing boards, like. Which just prolongs everything all over again when they've got to talk to landowners, the public consultation process, and then it'll go back to planning. And on, and then, don't you know, someone will put in an objection and it'll be back to on board Planola. You know, I, 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 I want, because as long as I'm doing this programme sitting here, we've been talking about this proposed motorway. And I sometimes think I'll have this programme, I'll have long gone, retired from this programme, and I still won't be driving on that road. It's just, it's very frustrating. Yeah, it really is. You know, I mean, I suppose time is just ticking now for us all. And like we, like my parents, I said, they're in their 70s. They've, they've travelled down to us. And I mean, it's, you'd have to be up in your mouth having them driving down to us. You know, we get up as, as much as we can. And um, But uh, as you can hear it there. You have a busy household. You have a busy household. And we know it's one of the most dangerous roads to travel on. Only Tuesday, another man, another life lost. It's uh, it's shocking. So it's very frustrating. Anna, I'll let you get back. What age is the little lad? He's two. Two. Oh. two so. oh. w- wonderful um, stage. It is. It is. It's brilliant. It's it brilliant. And um, I just, I love the show, Patricia. Thank um, you. Love your topics. And, um, you know, surely that there's something that could be done to get, to get this going. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I'd get to London quicker. You would. You would. You would. You, know. you would. All right, listen, thank you for your call. Thanks Thank for joining you, us. Uh, bye-bye, Anna in uh, Bandit. And actually, Councillor Ian Doyle was on to us as well when he heard us chatting about it earlier. He says uh, Charleville uh, will be one of the first towns in County Cork that will benefit from this motorway when it's up uh, up and running. So as a councillor in that area, he's uh, hugely welcoming the new- news because uh, Charleville, we know if you've got to travel uh, through Charleville and actually have to head to Charleville later on uh, this afternoon in the one you think about oh my god the traffic going uh, to Charleville is always crazy uh, 15,000 vehicles a day pass through the town of Charleville so they're going to massively benefit along with Mallow and Butterfant uh, so many other areas are going to benefit from this motorway but it's it's the it's, you heard in Anne, the frustration in Anna's voice it's when we actually get to hear is when we actually get to drive on that road okay I want to move to a completely different topic now this was something that we mentioned yesterday on the programme Dancing with the stars and we were talking about Father Ray uh, Kelly and I mentioned the Father Ray and uh, I thought fair used him to go public on it. He was talking about some of the abuse he has received abusive messages he has received since he decided to be one of the celebrities to take part in Dancing with the Stars and I was really I couldn't believe when I opened the papers and read about it. I really didn't think that Father Ray would be getting that type of abuse and you know he spoke about one man ringing him up leaving a voicemail and it was literally every second word was F this F that priests F this F that and then when he and then when he he left the message on Father Ray's answering machine and then he had the cheek to ring back when he didn't get through to Father Ray and when Father Ray let on it wasn't him because he realised it was the same caller he started abusing whoever he thought was taking the call on behalf of Father Ray just really shocking stuff and it's kind of I think it's shook Father Ray a little bit because I didn't realise but he went to Shinawilla who make the programme and said I think I'm going to pull out because of the abuse that 
he was getting seeming he got a lot of abusive Christmas cards uh, over the fact that he was going to be taking part and, and I don't even know if they'd even started at that stage had they but um, but they've persuaded him not to they've said no don't and actually on the abusive phone call they made him go to the to to, to the Gardaí and to even though he says nothing's will come of it even though he had the telephone number of, and, and everything of the man uh, who was abusing him John has contacted us about this good morning to you John morning um, are you a, I'm very well thank you are you uh, were, were, were you shocked to hear Father Ray was getting this kind of abuse or did you expect it I was shocked really because look um, it seems it's open season on everybody um, coming in the back of what happened to that poor girl Caroline Flack and um, this is kind of what kicked off the interest, I think, with uh, Father uh, Ray Kelly as well. And um, the man was very upset, he, uh, so much upset, as you previously had said, that he was going to take himself off the shore. And what people don't realise, Patricia, he was invited on the shore, the same as the, going back to the X Factor uh, when he came on, um, when he had done at the wedding, when he sang the song Hallelujah, that was picked up by the X Factor team, who invited Father Ray Kelly onto the X Factor. And he was also invited onto Dancy with Stars. He didn't go looking for this. He was invited. Sure enough, he responded, and he decided to take part in both shows, right? But I mean, like, this, this, this level of abuse that's hurled that individual, and especially by people that came on, uh, like the George Duffy show yesterday, and they considered themselves practicing Catholics, were an absolute disgrace. The old one guy, Patricia, I know, are you listening or not? But this guy must be the oldest guy in the planet. Uh, the Guinness Book of Records should be involved here because he seemed to be talking with in-depth knowledge of the wedding feast at Cana. So, so, so that you would swear he was there. He was making statements. <laughs> 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 okay, okay, so he was, he was talking about Jesus being at the wedding feast of Cana. He was, yeah, and he was saying about that uh, Jesus didn't dance at the wedding Well, how do we know oh, he didn't dance? Oh, the hell did he, yeah. he wasn't there. He wasn't there. I, he wasn't there. And hang on, no. <laughs> To me, when when I hear of the wedding feast of of Cana, everybody was having such a great time, and they ran out of wine. And then yeah. Jesus converted the water into the wine, so that people could continue to have a good time. To me, that was Jesus having a party. It was, of course, because he saw that people were having a good time. Yeah. All of a sudden, it stopped. And it's not that he was endorsing uh, alcoholism or anything, or people acting the maggot. It's just that people, like at any wedding, we've all been at weddings. And there was a great crack and everything, and people were enjoying themselves. <clears throat> he just facilitated on the day by changing the water into wine. But I mean, I'm sure a man, young man of his age, right, did actually get up and join in the festivities, and probably did go on the floor and dance. And oh, mercy for Lord, save us from heaven! I mean, the fact is, he probably that Jesus actually danced with a woman. Well, I don't even go there. Because and I, I always, what I also thought was really nasty was a, a woman who sent Father Ray a, a Christmas card who was given out about him being d- in Dancing with the Stars and she said in the Christmas card remember what happened uh, to uh, John the Baptist when a woman danced with John the Baptist which of course we know John the Baptist was, yeah. was beheaded like some people went so far as to say that was a death threat you know, I, d- yeah, I don't I know mean, if Father Ray was seeing it, it, seeing it that way but you'd feel you'd feel I mean to me he's, he's showing a human side to a priest at the end of the day you're a priest but he's a human being he is of course and the fact isn't it great to see a, a priest like for once we're not looking at it like a father smith snarling at the camera we're looking at a decent man a decent priest which then 99% of them were decent out there there's only just a 1% who'd, who'd done we know what and disgraced the Catholic Church and disgraced their, 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 their own ministry but I mean isn't it great to see like a father Kelly because look he's falling on in the gospel of Jesus Christ Jesus Christ became he took the form of a man he lived amongst us right he lived with working class people he was the original socialist 
right? He never had money. He had an honourable trade as a carpenter. His mother was a stay-at-home mother. His father was a carpenter, a working man. And like these people that come on, they speak with so much authority that you'd swear that they know more than God and, and Christ himself. And I just wonder, like, I mean, the fact if it was, I know they wouldn't take part in no Patricia, the likes of the only the Amans, we say from Klansky or something, whatever they represent the Islamic faith, or we say the, the, the Jewish rabbi wouldn't come on those shows, right? But I just wonder, for the sake of argument, if they did, would there be the same amount of level of criticism? And if there was, would, it, would we even know about it? No, though we, there, there wouldn't, yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're right. The, yeah, the yeah. Catholic Church again is up for grabs all the time. Have a go, have a go, have a go. And people, I am not, as a practicing Catholic, going to walk around with my head down. And neither should Father Kelly. He could hold his head high. He's a decent man. And he's out there and he's giving enjoyment to people. And what people don't understand, Patricia, it's the public. OK, he's not a great dancer. We all know that. See, I, but, I've, I, I've only seen bits of the programme now. I'm going to make an point of watching it on Sunday. It's yeah, the one thing yeah. it'll do great for, for the, the, the viewership figures on, on Sunday. By all accounts, he's not a great dancer, but he's obviously liked by the public because they're voting to keep him in. Well, you see, this is what people are missing. Like, I mean, there, there are some good dancers gone over with, no, right? The same as the last two seasons before. Yeah. Right? And the likes of Des Cahill was kept in from RT. Absolutely useless dancer. They would just <laughs> the man. Right? And you, you had the, the, the Fred Cook. He was the comedian last yeah, year. Was yeah, yeah. Right? But look, what people are missing is the fact is it's the public keep you in. Yeah, it's you a popularity contest. Final, you could be the yeah. worst dancer there, but if the public like you, it's the keep you in. And, and it's a feel-good factor. If you look at somebody and they, I mean, even if they're, he's not dancing great, but if it makes you smile and if you think, should God help him, isn't he doing his best? I, I give him a vote for that if, if no other reason. I mean, a listener says, what is wrong with this world? Why can't they just leave Father Ray alone just because he's a priest? What harm is he doing by being on the show? Keep going Father Ray I hope you win as some listener in uh, yeah, I, in, I in Bandon he, I hope he's in the yeah. final just to yeah. annoy those people <laughs> <laughs> alright listen thanks for that John thanks very much and uh, thanks uh, for joining us um, I, I'm wondering how a lot of other people feel about Father Ray he has at least he's come out and gone public rather than uh, hiding the, the abusive commentary that he was getting because you that's what you'd worry about with this whole the whole Caroline Flack thing is bringing people who are in the public and who are getting abused, you know, be it on social media or in this case with Father Ray through people sending cards and letters to his house or by ringing him up. The fear is that they would hide that away from people and not share it with anyone. I think it was great that Father Ray decided to go public because he can get support and he's getting a huge amount of support by all accounts. So it will show him that the majority of people are very happy that the man has decided to take part in this competition and to hell with the begrudgers you know and we go back to what we've been saying since Caroline Flack's death at the weekend you know in a world where you can be anything be kind just you know he's not he's not harming anyone he's still going about his priestly duties and I see in today's paper actually Father Prime Darcy who's probably one of the best known priests from a public persona point of view has come out and he is 100% supporting Father Kelly saying he's a dedicated priest. He works hard for his people. Father Brian Darcy said his priestly's life comes first. He uses all of his talents as a good human, bringing joy wherever he goes. And that's what I think. That's what I genuinely think Father Ray is doing by appearing on this competition. He's bringing joy to people. And why, why would anyone knock someone? Just because he wears a collar. Why should we knock him? just because he's bringing joy. He hasn't hurt anyone. He hasn't abused anyone. He's just dancing. 
on a Sunday night. Could we all just move on and leave the poor man alone? Mary and Manway said, some people give out when their favourite is kicked off the show and I understand that. And yes, Father Ray isn't the greatest dancer, but no one deserves hate mail or verbal abuse. Yes, we all criticise people, but I wouldn't be throwing abuse at him. They blame social media and media. It's people's attitudes need to be addressed as social media and the media are just the, just the tools. Yeah, it is the people behind it's the, the keyboard, keyboard warriors that we always speak about. Even on Father Ray's case, it doesn't seem to be through social media that they're attacking him. It's, it's people actually taking time to put pen to paper and write to him because obviously it's very easy to find out to you know, send a letter to the presbytery of the priest of the house, the church where he is in County Meath. It's very easy to have access to him. And I imagine if you go online, you'll get his telephone number very easily by going to the diocese. And actually somebody yesterday pondered on how did the bishop feel about Father Ray dancing in Dancing with the, Sh- with the Stars. Before Father Ray signed up, he went to his bishop, which would be the Bishop of Me, the gentleman by the name of Thomas um, Dennehy. And he asked him about going. The bishop warned Father Kelly to expect criticism before he took part in the show. Father Ray said that the bishop told me just to be aware that there will be people out there who will try to knock you and try to criticise you. But he said, the bishop said the important thing was if I'm going to take part to just enjoy myself. So he has the full support. Well done. He has the full support of his bishop and I'm, I'm glad to see that. And Mary says, I love Father Ray. I hope he stays in. I don't mind what people say. I know he's not a great dancer, but I think he's enjoying himself. And isn't that what the show should be all about? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Jobs. Apprenticed electricians, first, second, third and fourth year and qualified electricians are all wanted for Cork City and County. The signage department in Mallow Printing Works looking for a part-time operative three days per week for finishing all signage and for vehicle graphics. Registered nurses required for night duty. That's at St. Gobnet's Nursing Home in Ballyogram. And a housekeeper is wanted one day per week in the Greater Canturk area. Duties to include cooking, cleaning and general housekeeping tasks on Transport Essential. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie and we've lots of people I can see supporting uh, Father Ray uh, saying hope he keeps going and saddened to think uh, one has just said really saddened to think that he was even considering not taking part in the show or that he was going to step down yet it was the programme makers Shin, Shin Will. they're the crowd that make the programme uh, for RTE they uh, persuaded him not to pull out of the production after he requested to exit the, the dancing show because of the calls and the letters that he was uh, getting and it was the production people persuaded him to contact uh, the Gardaí so he passed on all the details particularly of the very abusive phone call phone message followed up by a phone call that he got but he said they 
the he gave all of the person's details, but nothing has come of it. I don't know whether that guy got a warning or not. 1850-333-103. Now, new research released this week shows that almost a third of asthma sufferers are increasing their risk of dying from the disease because of excessive use of inhalers as a quick fix to help them breathe. Joining me from the Asthma Society is Sarah O'Connor, the CEO. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, how are you doing? I'm, I'm very well and, and you're welcome. Now, before this research was released uh, this week, were you aware and indeed worried about people overusing their inhalers? Yes, so this this is something that has been um, on our um, risk list, let's say, for quite some time. And actually, there's a, a piece of research that has kind of fed into that that we have been um, really bearing in mind. And that's what's called the National Asthma Review of Deaths um, Report from the UK in 2014. And actually, what that report showed that they looked at the number of people who had died in the UK from asthma over the course of about 18 months. So they assessed every single case and identified key trends and key things um, that had happened across those cases to better understand why people were dying of asthma. And of those people who had died in that period of time, 38% of them had um, been taking more than 12 reliever inhalers a year and 4% of them had been taking more than 50 reliever inhalers a year. So that's one a week. And that is what has really, I suppose, um, informed um, the, the questions we were asking at research level and really has informed the need for this research for us to better understand how big a problem that is here in Ireland. Because, yeah, I don't, because I don't think there's a lot spoken about um, deaths from asthma. You don't hear a lot about it. Um, so I suppose we try and do our best to speak about it very often because it's obviously um, it's our main um, mission is to eliminate asthma deaths in Ireland. Uh, one person dies every week as a result of their asthma. My um, God. And, the and we're talking, is that across all ages? Yeah, it will be across all ages. I mean, the majority might be older people, yeah. um, but we don't actually have any data or any report that tells us what age people are, why they're dying, um, what the factors are, obviously, because we haven't had an equivalent piece of research to what they have in the UK. So we're very reliant on that report from the UK to try and get to grips with what's really happening. And I suppose we have been asking government for funding into that report so that we could actually really better tailor our own work and inform all of the GPs, respiratory consultants and nurses out there so that they can better engage with patients um, but we haven't been successful in getting that as yet. How does someone know if they're overusing their inhalers? So I suppose the baseline piece that our medical director, that's Marcus Butler, he is um, a respiratory consultant in St. Vincent's and um, he helps us out um, as a volunteer. Um, the baseline piece that he is saying to people is if you are using your reliever inhaler more than twice a week and your reliever inhaler is your blue inhaler, it's the one people traditionally associate with asthma. If you're using that more than twice a week, that means that your asthma is not properly controlled um, and that you are over-reliant on it. Um, and uh, I suppose that's a, that's a big warning sign to people. I mean, um, more than twice a week would mean that your reliever inhaler should last you for close to a year. Um, so uh, I suppose there's an awful lot of people in that bracket and the piece of research showed us actually that there were a huge amount of people in that bracket. I mean, um, the research that we did is with a company called HMR Ireland and essentially what they did is they took a snapshot of what was happening um, across the country using dispensing data, so using the actual number of reliever inhalers that were being uh, prescribed and given out to people over the counter. And what it told us is that Three in ten people in Ireland are using more than 12 reliever inhalers a year. So they're getting one a month? One a month, and that's yeah. at the level that the international research says people are putting themselves at risk of an asthma um, death if they are that reliant. And then seven out of ten people in Ireland are actually using more than three um, a year. So that puts them at risk of a severe asthma attack. So 
to be honest, those figures are the direct opposite of where we want things to be. I mean, um, it's a very serious scenario and it's something we really need to act on. So what is the more appropriate and effective way to control asthma? So I suppose maybe to explain it to your listeners so that they understand um, uh, a little bit about this. A reliever inhaler um, is is very effective because it works very quickly, normally within about 10 minutes, um, but it is very short-lasting. So the impact of it is um, normally two to four hours. Um, And for patients, what that means is if they become over-reliant on their reliever inhaler, they're essentially resetting the clock on their symptoms um, every number of hours. So they're experiencing the problem and they're getting alleviation from this particular medication, but they're never actually solving the problem and a GP said to me during the week it's like having three breakdowns of your car and never bringing the car to the mechanic so actually what people should be doing instead of relying on the reliever inhaler to make them feel better very temporarily is that actually they need to be um, on the appropriate um, preventative treatment and I suppose that's a big change that's happening now internationally um, as dictated by GINA that's the Global Initiative for Asthma Um, and what the Global Initiative for Asthma says now is really there should be no patient who's only on a reliever inhaler. All patients should be on at least a preventer inhaler. And what that preventer does is, you know, asthma is all a disease of swelling. And so the preventer inhaler, instead of um, temporarily fixing the symptoms, it brings the swelling down. So what that means is that the tiny little areoles, that there's much more capacity for air to move around inside in the lungs. Um, As well as that, it means that all of the mucus that gets um, created by the swelling, a lot of that dissipates and that can cause huge problems for patients. And also the muscle lining, which becomes quite smooth um, when the the patient's areoles are swollen, um, that kind of returns to its normal state. And those three things combined mean that actually, if you're taking your preventative um, medication properly, you're not experiencing symptoms on a day-to-day basis. So you're able to run up and down the stairs, um, you're able to, you're not awake coughing at night, um, you don't have to visit the hospital with your symptoms, um, you may feel that you're not actually wheezing at all. That's what asthma control means as far as the consultants and the experts are concerned. Um, whereas for patients, often they think controlling my asthma means I repeatedly take my reliever and that fixes it. And that's not what asthma control is. Yeah, and obviously if it is controlled, it that is possible to lead a very normal life. It shouldn't be affecting you at all. It should be for the very vast majority of patients. Um, I mean, asthma exists on a spectrum from um, the very mild up to the very severe. For the very vast majority of patients, if they're taking their preventative medication and or what is prescribed for them by their GP properly, um, they shouldn't be required to change their life to make huge um, changes, um, you know, to make huge sacrifices for their asthma. Actually, their asthma really blends into the background because it is totally controlled. Okay, and how many people suffer from asthma in this country, Sarah? So it's 380,000 people. Wow. It's, um, it's one in five children at some point in their lives, but it's 380,000 people right now. It's one in 10 adults and one, or sorry, one in 10 children and one in 13 adults. So it's a really big healthcare problem. And if you think about that, um, one in five children at some point in their life, when you top that up in total, um, 890,000 people in Ireland will have asthma at some point in their life. So it's absolutely huge. Um, and really, I suppose what's challenging about it, there's a few things that make it hard to manage for people. First of all, this understanding of the two different kinds of inhalers, that's a big challenge. And that's what we're really trying to tackle this week with the safety care campaign. But the second piece is, um, you know, because it is a chronic illness, people get very used to it. They get very used to feeling quite unwell. In their head, that's normal because, you know, they think, gosh, well, I have asthma. Of course, I'll have these symptoms. And what that means is when they're going in and engaging with their GP, their nurse, their consultant, they may not realize that actually 
they might need to communicate the degree to which those symptoms are ongoing because actually they're not feeling as well as they could be. Um, and that's a big challenge is to help people to realise there's a much better level of wellness out there. So where do people go? Is, is, is GP your first port to call? So what we're suggesting as part of the safety care campaign is that people go to our website and download an asthma action plan. That's just a simple one pager. They can download it or they can give us a call on 1800 44 and we will pop it out to them in the post so it arrives on their doorstep in the next 24 well hours. Well done. And how, how can people contact you? Um, they can contact us on 1-800-44-54-64. And what people can do then is they can give us a call. We have th- that phone line as well as, you know, for people to post stuff out. That phone line is staffed by asthma respiratory nurses and we can arrange a call back with the nurse normally within a few hours. Sometimes if things are busy like they are this week with the campaign ongoing, it might take the following day. And the nurse will do a half an hour of a call, a chat, an appointment to guide people through, okay, the different kinds of medication, help people to find their triggers and to also work out the asthma action plan for them. And then the other thing we're really recommending that people do is if they think they are taking more than two puffs a week to keep a note of that and to go to their GP. So we're asking them to proactively do that to make sure actually that they're bringing that information to their GP and that they are ready to change or escalate or understand more about the right preventative treatment because that's really key. Okay, great advice. Thank you for that, uh, Sarah. Just one extra piece I might add actually, if that's okay. Okay. There's um, uh, the piece of research showed us actually what was happening in Cork very specifically and your listeners might be interested in that. Um, Essentially in the year when people are diagnosed um, it was 15% of people were over-reliant on their reliever inhaler but the big jump for us which was a big concern is by the time they've been diagnosed a year and we looked at that um, two out of five so 41% of people um, had actually had slipped back and were over-reliant on their reliever inhaler so what we might suggest is any of your listeners um, if they've been diagnosed a year ago um, or up to five years ago and we really think it's a good idea to use this campaign and the knowledge about the two puffs a week being what control means um, we would suggest that actually they go back they speak to their GP um, because often what we find is that people get quite used to taking their inhalers the way they're used to taking them but it's often not necessarily correct and like I said that kind of slippage happens you know from the year immediately after diagnosis and that's quite a key intervention point Okay we'll leave it there thank you for that uh, Sarah we'll speak again but thanks for joining us today Okay thank you uh, Good morning to you Sarah O'Connor there who is the CEO of the Asthma Society look after your asthma folks please. 1850 John Paul taking your uh, calls. We'll look at your pet questions of course because our resident vet will be joining us in the final hour of the programme, Jane uh, Pickett. Uh, and we also don't forget have our Husqvarna competition with Atkins Carrigrahan uh, Road. I'll play you the song Don't Call Us Yet though. Uh, we'll be doing this in the next hour playing a line of a song the last couple of words mowed off. Okay, you're going to work out the words of the song. They're shaved off that song. We'll do that though in the next hour. So uh, hang on on that. Let's take a break. Today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie is one of the world's most popular performers. Win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. Madison Square Garden on May 2nd. Stay listening to C103. Then text or WhatsApp every time Billy Joel plays. For your chance to get in the grand final. 
Billy Joel in the Big Apple starts Monday 24th with AmigoLoans.ie on Cork's greatest hits C103. Time for this week's Guard the File. I'm joined in studio by Sergeant John O'Leary based at Mallow Guard the station. Good morning to you John. And you're you're very welcome to a studio. We've been reporting on this very sad story on the news and I got mentioned it again when we were talking about the motorway. Uh, Yet another death on on the roads uh, and yet again on a particular stretch of roads that's notorious. The Benz at Ballybag. Yes, Patricia, yeah. on Tuesday night, uh, last day, 18th of February, at around 10 to 11, there was a collision at the Ballybeg West in Butterfant. Uh, we all know the section of road between Mallow and Butterfant. It's a dangerous stretch of road, a lot of serious bins. And uh, look, we're appealing to motorists who are travelling on the N20 between 10pm and 11pm, um, especially those motorists that would have dash cam footage or any witnesses uh, who would have anything to add to the, uh, help our investigation into this uh, tragic accident uh, to contact Madagascar station or 22 uh, I would also like to thank the witnesses who have come forward already uh, they've been a great assistance uh, to the investigation and look I would appeal to motors we can see the weather we have now the sun is shining in the windows here half an hour ago we were they were looking at snow adjust your driving um, to the conditions that's there, like we have wind, rain um, for the last couple of weeks, and like we don't know what potholes are on roads which will damage cars. Yeah. Just take your time, uh, plan your journey. Um, if you're delayed, don't take chances. Like it's not worth it. I suppose it's better to arrive late than not to arrive at all. Absolutely, absolutely, you know? and and so, and our sympathies to that poor man's yes. uh, family. It it really is uh, shocking. The dash cam footage is is proving great isn't it for yeah, investigations a lot of cars now have dash cam footages and they're like they're great assistance in investigations such as traffic accidents or you know if there was burglaries taking place if you, you never know what you passed yeah. and you may have picked up a car that was uh, outside the premises or whatever like you know it's good. Um, it's good. like it's for your own protection as well like if you're driving um, we all see these stage accidents where people walk out in front yeah. of uh, motors yeah. and pretend to be hurt I am um, for an investment of 120 30 euros are well worth it. Yeah, I know John Paul has one in his car. We were look, we we're only looking at it at some of the footage. It's amazing what you pick up. It yeah. really is amazing what you pick yeah. up. Now, uh, burglaries in Mallow. These were vacant houses. Yeah, uh, one house is permanently vacant. Uh, this was at Lower Bear Forest. Um, the house is vacant. Um, the lady of the house is now residing with her, her daughter up the country. Uh, it was last checked on the 7th of February, but uh, when it was checked last Saturday or Friday uh, at the 14th of February, it was found that it was uh, broken into. No, thankfully, there was nothing taken from the house. So if there's property like that where people are no longer residing, I'd appeal to relatives to take all valuable property out of the house mm-hmm. and put it in storage or, 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 or move it on just because uh, when a house is vacant it's hard to keep an eye on it notify your neighbours as well and maybe your local guard station that the house is vacant and uh, we can keep an eye on it yeah yeah. because the people will start to realise the house yeah, is vacant yeah. that and then the second the second one is at Castle Crest and which is on St Joseph's Road uh, these people were on holidays uh, from the 8th of February to the 16th uh, of February uh, so we're appealing to anyone who saw anything suspicious uh, around the Castle Crest, St. Joseph's area uh, of Mallow. Again, contact Mallow Garda Station if they have anything to uh, let, tell us. Um, again, I suppose if you're going on holidays, just make sure you plan, like make sure you don't have posts lying on the hallway uh, while you're away. Um, that can be seen through a glass window, glass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell your neighbours, have a key holder and maybe again inform your local guardie that uh, you're going away for a prolonged period and we can keep an eye on the place. And alarms? 
Yeah, alarms, yeah. especially alarms, and if you do have an alarm to turn it on, yeah, it's the most effective thing. Yeah, it's amazing the number of people that install alarms and for whatever reason ne- never switch it on. Yeah. Now, you, you want to talk to us about theft of a mobile phone? Yeah, this was the one that um, a person placed an ad on Dundee, and last Sunday evening they agreed to meet with a pers- prospective buyer at uh, Mallow on Davis Street and around the vicinity of AIB Bank. They agreed to meet and uh, a young male, and he's described as about 18, 19 years of age, uh, sat into the back of this person's car. The mobile phone is available, mobile phone, worth about 600 euros. The male that got into the back of the car described as 18 to 19 years of age with brown spiky hair, no better description. Uh, while in the car, he was examining the phone and obviously he ran from the car with the phone. So he ran down Davis Street towards the West Indian Mallow and turned left onto Emma Street. Uh, was followed by a second person in the car, uh, but he lost him in Emma Street, so he may have gone into Patrick's Place or he may have got ran onto, down by Tesco's, onto the Park Road and away that way. So it was um, a nasty theft. Okay, so the, so the ad went up for yeah. looking to buy a mobile phone well, or t- to buy, buy? Buy the mobile phone. Okay, so the, he so this young fella placed the ad saying... No, no, the, yeah, no, the, the, the seller placed the ad on Dundee. Oh, somebody this was man, selling it. This person contacted... Sorry, the, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, I understand now. Okay, so the ad went up, somebody was genuinely selling the phone. Yes. This guy said, I'm interested in buying yes. it. Uh, and he obviously had it planned that he, he was going planned. to... He agreed to meet, he's, uh, he, was, he sat into the backseat of the car and when he was examining the phone, he... He, he ran from the car with the phone. So, look, if anybody was walking on Davis Street last Sunday evening, last Sunday evening was a very bad uh, weather-wise. Yeah, uh, with the storm. So if you're walking or driving, again, dash cam footage. Uh, yeah. If you saw this person running down Davis Street uh, towards Emma Street, you may have recognised him, or if you saw it, just please contact Madagascar Station and might assist our inquiry. And, and lots of people sell items. It's on, on you know, done deal, buy and sell, any of those those. You've got to be, I suppose it's a word of cautionary, word of warning now, to be careful you who to, you're meeting and, and where you are. Well, when you agree to meet somebody, if I was, if you're selling something, agree to meet them at a location you know. Uh, the people that were selling this phone were not from the Mallow area, they were from Cork City. Oh. So agree to meet them on your terms, meet them at a filling station that you know that where there's good lighting, yeah. good CCTV footage of it and... Uh, maybe get out of the car and be seen on CCTV. Yeah. Uh, it has uh, that uh, has helped us a lot in uh, investigations where fraud has been done through placing ads on Dundee, and people have been taken to court because of it. Just you set the criteria where you want to meet the person to to do the deal. So uh, whereas, do you reckon this guy? Had no intention of buying the phone. His whole his, his whole was was deceived. So he had his exit route planned. He, had, he yes. so so that's why he dictated where yes. I meet. Oh yeah, okay. Correct. All right, you got to be so so careful. So and when again did that happen? The, well, last Sunday, Sunday night. Last Sunday evening, half okay. six. Yeah. During the it was the the end of the storm. storm the storm yeah. was moving yeah, out, was so it was particularly bad. That, that okay, and from the, from that bad news story to a good news story, the Cork North Garda Youth Awards. Yeah, uh, we'll Patricia, give it out. Uh, as I say, the youth awards are an excellent way of of, of uh, congratulating people, young people, for for their actions during the year. Um, the Cork North Garda Youth Awards were held in the Charleville Park last Thursday evening. Um, the awards were sponsored by Supermax, and Mr. Pat McDonough, the owner of Supermax, and as well as Judge David Waters, attended uh, the function in the Charleville Park Hotel. There was 170 people, family and friends, uh, attended to support, and we had 11 award winners. I'd just like to name them. Um, okay. We had uh, Jasmine Cusack, Emily Noonan Keane, 
Salman Ahmed, Liam Lynch, these are from Mallow, Dylan Rainey's from Lumberstone, and this young man, uh, 13 years of age, and a fellow pupil on the bus home from Banty National School began to choke in the suite, and he saved her life by wow. doing the Heimlich manoeuvre for a 13 year old to think. Terrific, it was terrific. We have Laura Tobin Campbell from Ballyhooley, Emer Hayes and Hannah Walsh from Yall, Adam Carlton from Donrail, and we had group winners then were Connor Faroga Group. And the Community Safety Award was St. Cormans College Middleton. They're an environmental committee who uh, uh, picked up rubbish, uh, unbelievable amounts of rubbish, on yeah. a short stretch of uh, beach in uh, down in East Cork, like, you know. So, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Well so done. Congratulations uh, to, night, to all, all of the winners. Yeah. Patricia, can I just mention one uh, other thing? Um, there's a young lady in band here, Dara Sarah Weathers, who has been suffering illness. Um, she attended Beaumont Hospital, neurological unit, but when she left that, she decided to have a fundraiser uh, on behalf of the unit in Beaumont. And she held a, a fundraiser table quiz and um, a GoFundMe page, and she raised 15,000 euros, and that was presented yesterday. Now, the fundraiser was at the White Country Inn, so I suppose the people of Bant here, Dohalo, Kentork, would want to be congratulated for the fundraising effort and helping Sarah raise that money. And she's only a young girl, is she? She's 20, 21. Whoa, yeah. whoa, well done, Sarah. But she's battling out of well, it. Yeah. Well done, Sarah. Uh, good health to you going yeah. forward. Um, John, thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, we'll chat again. The Sergeant John O'Leary based at Malagard, the station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. It is time for us to give you a chance to win with Atkins, Carrigrahan Road and Husqvarna. Every day this week we've been giving away a set of Husqvarna hearing protection. They're a type of hear- headphones but they've got built-in FM radio so we're giving a pair away every day this week. Now Atkins are hosting a Husqvarna also, more information evening next Wednesday night, 26th of February, at the Oriel House Hotel in Ballincollig, and they'll be doing it at half past seven next Wednesday night. Admission on the night is free, and one lucky person who goes along next Wednesday will actually be walking away with the free Husqvarna also more. That's Atkins and the Carrickrahan Road, everything from the farm and garden. So to tie in with their also more event, we're going to play you a line from a song with the last couple of words mowed off. You need to be caller number nine to tell us what are the last few words that we've mowed off this song. All right, John Paul has decided to mow the middle of the song uh, today. So if you can tell us what are the missing words from that song, you need to get dialing now, 1850-333-103 and caller number nine with the correct answer will win the Husqvarna hearing uh, protection headphones with the built-in FM radio. Will I play it one more time? Why not? I'm, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to work out what the words are because I'm one of those people that I make up the lines of songs any of my family <laughs> were, who hear me sing will know I just make up my own words as I go along so I think I'm wrong on this particular one today anyway hopefully you've got the correct answer 1850 and our thanks once again to Atkins on the Carrie Grahan Road and Husk Varna 
for these uh, great for this great prizes right across this week. Now, while we await our winner, let me give you go through some of your texts and calls in. Firstly, I've been asked to mention that the heat of the over sixties talent competition is taking place in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow tonight at eight o'clock. Now, it's open to everyone from the North Cork area, and just to remind you, uh, this is Paddy O'Brien's over sixties talent competition. It is a talent competition, so it's not just confined to singing. I know predominantly it will be singers, but they look for all types of uh, talent. It can be dancing, it can be stand-up comedy. If you can do a bit of magic, maybe you play an instrument really well. If so, and you're over 60 and you'd like to take part, why not head on down to the Burning Hotel in Mallard tonight at 8. Is the 44th year of the competition. Isn't it incredible? And I've just been told that the winner tonight, the person who qualifies out of the heat in Mallow goes directly to the overall final. So they, they're obviously bypassing. There used to be semi-finals. They're obviously not having semi-finals. They're straight through to the final. So it's a... Uh, well, good luck to everybody taking part at tonight in that competition in the Hibernian Hotel. OK, uh, what else is coming into us? We were talking about the proposed motorway between Cork and Limerick, the long overdue uh, motorway. Some of your thoughts on that. Uh, Tim says, we cannot do without consultants. So this is when we're talking about the consultants who are getting involved. It looks like it's all gone back to square one. They need to talk to the landowners again. It's going out to public consultation or it will be later on at the end of the year when the final route will be decided. And then it'll have to go to planning and then on board Planola will get involved. And, you know, we'll be waiting many, many years before we'll finally get to drive on this road. But let's onwards and upwards. Anyway, so Tim is picking up on the amount of consultants that are involved in the planning for this particular uh, road. Uh, we cannot do without consultants, whatever they actually do, says Tim. If the Chinese were building the road, how long do you think it would actually take? And I'm assuming Tim is referencing that hospital. Now, I know it was port cabins in the main were used, but how quickly the Chinese for the coronavirus managed to get a 1,000 bedded unit up and running. It was it was just incredible the speed at which they work. Anyway, uh, Tim says, maybe the consultants are there to protect us from the coronavirus. As I said yesterday on Post Office Savings Bank, they should be, they should have in some way a current account into which your dole, your pensions, your pay could be paid directly into and then give you the option of a card to withdraw money from a hole in the wall either at the Post Office or from any other outlet. And that was one of Tim's suggestions yesterday when we were looking for ways in which to ensure the future of our post offices. That's what he was suggesting, some kind of a post office savings bank with the current account and with your card, your Visa debit card, so you could use it for the hole in the wall. We were talking about asthma in the last hour. Uh, Mary says, Hi Patricia, I use Symbicort inhaler. I use it twice a day, two puffs every time. So I didn't know what that particular inhaler was. So I did a quick search. I did a quick Google search while the news was on at uh, 12. And that's one of the preventative inhalers. And that's exactly what Sarah was talking about. You obviously have your asthma under control, uh, Mary. So you're using a preventative. What the research was talking about was the inhalers that people use when they get out of breath, the blue inhalers and they're the ones that the experts are most worried about because people are overusing those but the preventative no you're you've got your asthma obviously under control and you're controlling it by using a preventative inhaler but as ever whenever we do pieces like that I always say to people your first port of call if any issue on a health related matter comes up on the programme your first port of call is your doctor just go speak go talk to your doctor if you have any concerns and you know tell them about something we were talking about on the radio something that raised your concerns and, and have a further chat uh, with uh, your doctor 
Doctor. 1850 You can stop calling us on our Husqvarna competition because Roy Cronin in Lombardstown gave John Paul the correct answer and Roy has won for himself a Husqvarna hearing protection headphone unit which has got built in FM radio. Congratulations to you uh, Roy and uh, John Paul is now typing up the correct answer for me because I'm not even going to have a guess at me guess at it and the answer that John Paul was accepting was never going to run around and desert you. I wasn't even close John Paul. <laughs> I had the first bit, but I didn't do the second bit, so never going to run around and desert you. So stop calling us on that, please, because we want to clear the phone lines for our pet questions, please, because Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will be joining us in the studio after half past 12. So if you have a pet question, we need you to contact us, please with your pet question so we can put it to Jane on your behalf. So get working on that. 1850-333-103. On the motorway also, Brian on our Facebook page says, this morning we are slowing down. Oh, sorry. This morning people we're slowing down to let cars join in from side roads. Do people realise how dangerous this can be? This can cause traffic to come to a complete stop further back along you know, the, the line of traffic. All it takes is for one driver to lose concentration in that situation they'll plough straight into the back of another vehicle. The N20 is simply not fit for purpose. And uh, Angela also agrees saying it's as much a safety issue in my opinion as a commuter issue. The motorway will be a lot safer. Yeah, but it's when we're going to actually get that motorway is what everybody is worried about. And John was on. Patricia, with regards to the piece that you did on the Spillane family in Kilbehany, you were trying to Paul Jur has been diagnosed with motor neuron and the family and friends and the community in Kilbehany all rallying around to try to raise the money to this house, this old house that belongs to a family member, to, to, one, to one of the grannies who's gone into care, was going into sheltered accommodation, but they need to do it up so that it's suitable for somebody in a wheelchair. So it's a big, big job. They're just trying to take the financial worry. They have enough to be worrying about a family. When they get a diagnosis of something like motor neuron, you have enough to be worrying about without worrying about where money is going to come from to fix a roof or to make the house wheelchair accessible. Anyway, Jur says, was listening to that piece this morning and he said, I've often throughout my life wished that there was a charitable organisation could be formed in this country that would target such a family like the Spillans as it's beyond explanation what goes on behind the front door of a house when severe illness strikes a family member and it puts the entire family under stresses that are unbearable without outside intervention. Unfortunately this state will do a little but the vacuum of desperation is to be expected and is to be filled by the affected family. I know this as I've lived through it. I will contribute to the GoFundMe page for Jer and his family and I urge everyone to do so. Just remember this could happen to any of us. Kind regards, John. You're a kind man, John. You're a kind man. Uh, and thank you. And yeah, and we are. And I know we're going to put it up on our Facebook page. If it hasn't already gone up, we're going to get it up on our Facebook page. But it's a GoFundMe page and it's for Jer Spillane and the Jer is spelled J-E-R. So if you just go into 
into GoFundMe and put in Ger Spillane's name on it. And uh, I can see already, and, and and hopefully maybe it was as a direct result of our, our interview, a number of people have, you know, already donated. There's been, you know, anonymous donations of 20 euro, 50 euro. Somebody's given a tenner. Somebody called Trevor has given 50 euro uh, just in the last hour while we've been on since we were talking to uh, Jennifer, the friend of the families who set up the GoFundMe page. There are 23,550 euro and the target is 40,000 but I'm hoping that it even goes higher. I'm hoping that they just raise enough money so that they can do the house top to bottom from the, the roof that needs to go on it, all the insulation work, the heating has to go in, widen all the doors, make it wheelchair accessible. You know like that fantastic programme that's on TV, I love watching it, the DIY SOS. I just love those programmes and that's when a community comes together and rallies around a local family. Something like that. Wouldn't it be great if we could do something like that for uh, Jer? So please, if you can, if you have anything at all uh, to spare, uh, please, please donate. And then we have been talking this morning about Father Ray. And we've been talking about the nasty things that poor old Father Ray Kelly on Dancing with the Stars has had to put up with. Well, Ellen in Mitchestown says, I I wasn't watching Dancing with the Stars for the dancing. I've only been watching it for Father Ray. And it's amazing the amount of young people that love him. To have him on the show for Catholics, it's great to see him happy and people are delighted. To be honest, I'll be voting for him next Sunday, said Ellen. And that's before he's even started his cha-cha-cha or whatever he's doing next week. Helen in from Oise says, I feel Father Ray is doing great work for the Catholic Church and for young people. He's showing that priests are normal and that they're human beings. Yeah, Helen, that's it. And Marie says, I think it's awful the abuse Father Ray is getting. No one, absolutely no one deserves that kind of abuse. And then by text, hi Patricia, my grandpa always used to say, if you can't say something nice, then just say nothing at all. These trolls are the ones to be pitied. How sad their lives must be if they seem to get some kind of a thrill in hurting another human living being. While I did not know Caroline Flack, I did meet her once and found her to be a most kind, gracious and giving woman. Social media also need to take responsibility for the for impl- for implementing stricter guidelines to stop these trolls remaining anonymous. I am saddened beyond words at not only Caroline Flack's passing this week, but to all of those affected by bullying of any form. People, be kind. That's a lovely text. Thank you uh, for that to uh, 0862103103. And it leads me nicely seeing as that text ends with be kind in a reference to bullying. Listen to this email that we received to the programme that I have to say really saddened me uh, when we received it uh, yesterday. Now, it's from a gentleman who doesn't, when, when I read it out, you'll understand why, doesn't want his name called out. So for the purposes of the of this. I'm just going to call him Noel. Dear Patricia, I'm extremely distressed as I write this email to you. I've worked for a company for the past 14 years. We got a new line manager last year. He started bullying me not long after he started. This continued right up until a few weeks ago when I made a bullying complaint to the HR department. Since then, the bullying has actually gotten worse. My mental health has deteriorated and I had to go to the doctor who advised me to contact the Samaritans if things got really bad. 
I told my union representative I was leaving my job but she advised me to stay and continue with my case as this individual would simply start bullying other members of staff. I decided to stay and a meeting was set up for this person and myself to meet one on one but he got aggressive in the meeting so I simply left. I was instructed to do so if I felt uncomfortable. My union representative and myself were now awaiting a meeting with the HR department. Other than the meeting which took place I've had no contact from this individual since the time I made the complaint. On Monday he started emailing me. I was advised to keep a paper trail of his contact with me so I cc'd myself on my responses to him. He sent back a mail stating that he was aware I was cc'ing myself and I was to desist from doing that immediately. I felt this was more intimidation by him towards me so I sent the email to myself and then sent it on to my union representative. This morning, this was yesterday, when I went into work for the start of my shift I was met by a manager from a different branch of our company. He had my line manager on speakerphone who instructed me to hand over my work phone and keys as I was being suspended for a breach in security for sending that email to myself. I rang my union rep who said that two meetings now will have to take place. One for the bullying accusation and the other for the security breach. She had thought my manager might apologise for his actions and promised that it wouldn't continue. But instead, since I made the bullying complaint, he has targeted me even more. Can I please get advice on this? Or has anybody else experienced this kind of situation at work? I absolutely love my job or I loved my job until all of this started. I spent this morning crying instead of being at work doing my job. Thank you for taking time to read my uh, mail and obviously please don't call out my name but we we have the person's uh, name and uh, email uh, address so we're just calling him Noel. Isn't that just absolutely shocking when bullying at that level and what it can do and of course the big worry for me in all of that, I mean I'm, I'm absolutely disgusted at that bully and also that that bullying continued, other people at work must have seen it. I mean, and that's that's what that's what always saddens me. I mean, evil will continue if good men and women don't stand up and say, stop, somebody else should intervene and say what you are doing is bullying and it is and call it out uh, for for what it is. What I would say to you, Noel, is don't give up. I mean, I don't give up because by giving up, the bully wins. I mean, I would go to that meeting. I mean, the security breach one, go along, explain why. I mean, I, I can't understand you sending an email to yourself as a security breach. So you, I, I think you've got a good case to argue on that one. But certainly on the bullying one, I would fight that guy tooth and nail and I would call him out uh, for what he is doing. But also what I find really worrying in your email you know you were right to go to the doctor I'm saddened to see that your mental health has deteriorated but to hear a doctor tell you that you should contact the Samaritans now I know the doctor is probably overworked and overstretched as well and is probably just worried that if something happens in the middle of the night and you go through a very low web maybe that's what they are, he or she I don't know if it's a male or female doctor is suggesting that you go to the, to, to the Samaritans but goodness I don't think I've ever uh, quite seen that in print of, of a GP telling somebody you know you need to, to ring the Samaritans particularly when somebody's coming to a, to a GP for, for help but it's a really really sad uh, email you unfortunately are not the first person to be bullied and, and you won't be the last either but 
thank you for sharing your story with us and we've put it out there now and I'm sure there will be people listening who have been in the very same situation as you in the past who may be able to give personal experience and advice because of personal experience that we will be able to send your way and to help you. But certainly my gut instinct is do not give up, do not leave the job. Okay, you've been suspended at the moment, you've got your union rep uh, on your side, attend all of those meetings that they call and fight your corner, fight this tooth and nail because that bully, whoever that person is, shame on that person, needs to be called out for what that person is doing. 1850 uh, 333 103, our lines are uh, open. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103 with a reminder to you that we are looking for your pet questions, please. Uh, because uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us in the next few minutes, joining us live in studio to get your pet questions in to us, either by phone or by text or WhatsApp. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Ballya Grand Camogie Club, they're looking for new members in all age groups. You can contact Cathy if you'd like to get involved, 087 944 Town Operation Transformation, their walking group, 2K and 5K walks are on every Tuesday and Thursday night. So they're on tonight again with gym sessions on a Wednesday. The Irish Wheelchair Association have a fundraising coffee morning going on as we speak in the Hibernian Hotel. While Kildallery Community Development, their weekly lottery draw that's on in Welsh's Bar at tonight. Jackpot is €1,300. Boho Bui Tidy Towns have an energy information meeting tonight at 7 in the Pierce Memorial Hall focusing on energy saving, LED lighting and IRD warmer home grants and more. Admission is free. Mallow Daffodil Day Committee have got a table quiz. Albert Lynch's bar in Mallow tonight, half past eight. Tables of four, please, €40. Euro. All proceeds going to Marymount Hospice. And wonderful Godspell the Musical will be staged in the Curtis Auditorium in Cork School of Music tonight, tomorrow night and Saturday night, half past seven. Tickets from events.cit.ie. A Mallow Camogie annual table quiz. That's on tonight in Mallow GAA Club. Tables for €40. Euro. Lots of spot prizes. And the Canturk Vincent's Shop. They're having a two euro sale today, tomorrow, Friday and on Saturday. Everything in the shop, two euro and less. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Just a couple of more texts in just to wrap up a few items before we go to Jane, our resident vet. Sheila in Mill Street. This is on for the Ray said the man who was given out about Father Ray yesterday must be living in the dark ages. Uh, Sheila points out that there's set dancing going on in her area in uh, Mill Street and she says the local priest often comes along and dances with everybody else and no doubt he's a fine set dancer. And then uh, Sheila goes to Northern Ireland a lot and she said when you go to Northern Ireland you will see a lot of young people dancing to country music and she said at a lot of those country music events priests, the local priests will attend mass as well and the one thing she's noticed in the north when you go to Mass there there's a lot of young people attending and she thinks it could be due to the fact that the young people get to know the priests at these country music dancing events and that they see them as normal human beings Well, she says when down here in the south it's like we don't want the priests to enjoy 
life. We want them locked up in their presbyteries and we don't want them out socialising or being anyway human and normal. And Sheila says, and our all everyone in our house will be voting for Father Ray next Sunday night. The more people will give out, said Sheila. Mark her words, the more people will vote. Yeah, and that is always the way and it's the thing. Said it before in this programme, we in Ireland, we love an underdog. Whatever it is, we love an underdog. And if we think somebody's been picked on, if we think somebody's been attacked in any way, you can guarantee there will be, it will up his, he'll probably top the poll. I know, and even though I don't know if they give you the poll topper, but you'd be guaranteed he'll get through to the next round for sure. Martin Infomoy uh, says, um, Hi Patricia, I'm watching the 33rd Doll. Oh, it's on TV. It seems to Martin in Fomoy, he said, it seems by the look on their faces that they just don't really care about things. They look like they don't even want to be there. God help us all, says Martin in Fomoy, if this is what we have voted in to run the country. A Douglas listener also watching the Doll uh, chamber says it's full this morning. That's a sight you won't see very often. <laughs> <laughs> says this Douglas uh, listener and it's oh I hate that when you see somebody in the doll get up to speak you know and they have it on the TV and they're across to somebody and, and there's nobody speaking it's oh it always frustrates me okay and I can see there are a couple of texts coming in for Noel poor old Noel who contacted us by email who has been horrendously bullied at work in a job that he's been doing for 14 years a job that he loves until about a year ago a new line manager and for whatever reason almost it seems from day one this new line manager came in and just took a look at Noel and didn't like him and decided I'm going to bully you and he's been bullying him horrendously and Noel decided enough was enough and this year it had enough of it and is after getting his union involved but now he's been suspended because he sent an email uh, at home to himself so he'd have a copy of the complaint that he sent in and for some reason it's been seen as a security breach and I, I don't quite you know, he's going to have to go to a meeting on that and, and I, I'm encouraging him to go to all the meetings that the business uh, looks for. Uh, the union official sounds to me too timid says this texture. It is overdue to get the in, it is overdue to get an employer labour people involved. An employer labour people a lawyer is it? Um the people over the person seem to know they are wrong if they can't discuss anything without bullying him. Someone else says, it shocks me that the management seem to favour the bully. Good luck to that poor man, Noel. And someone else says, copying yourself on a company email is not a security breach unless the email contains company sensitive information or unless it's specifically forbidden by the company's security policies. This is unlikely as there would be never the, any communication possibly. Yeah, I, I, to me it sounds a little bit like something's been made up as they go along because remember it was the bully when he realised that Noel was CCing it because he realised that he was keeping, he wanted to have all of the evidence. Even though Noel, you would have whatever you send out unless you were sending it out from work you would, ha- oh you could be sending it out from, from a work folder. I was going to say you'd have it in your sent box you know, if it's like a Google account or whatever, it's your private account, you'd have it in your sent box. But anyway, maybe it's from some work email that he was sending on the, the actual form of complaints. And he just wanted, and it was his union rep said, you need to keep a copy of all correspondence. And that's why why he was doing it. I certainly would fight them on that security breach. Um, I really would. Anyway, if you've got any more 
help or advice for Noel get it into us uh, please and uh, if we get more commentary on this we will return to it uh, tomorrow on uh, the programme Anne says Patricia tell Noel to contact the Anti-Bullying Centre they're based at Dublin City University for advice okay that's good that's good the Anti-Bullying Centre at Dublin City University okay thank you for that Uh, um, okay we need your pet questions please because our Jane, our resident vet, is about to step into studio. 1850-333-103. If you have a question for Jane to, uh, for one of the animals in your home, or you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel & Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Egg foil and mock quid then and here is far lane. Shot eight thrower C103 air Kirkig. On Donkey Sanctuary, Lunaha Illis Carul and Nakale Mala, Agasazotela Kurta Kurted, Agasle Titiming Raw, Terror Hugh Lodis, a team plucked all in, Agasbulla Hassel, Agas Mule in the Torhala, Oskle Hesavia Nighty Agahotau Shacht, Habrishis Kedavila Assel Glacoco, Hoshes Ernashka Hundal Shaham, Agasis Terminators in the Hassel, Totting Water, or Fudnatide, to record the Donkey Sanctuary or the Manamundit. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. These days, having versatile clothing you can wear anywhere is a must. That's why American Giant makes all sorts of versatile any-weather staples. Hoodies, jackets, and more. Whether you're buying a gift or stocking your closet, you'll find just what you need. And it's all made right here in the USA. Find your new wardrobe staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code AnyStyle24 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code AnyStyle24. What's spruil does na hand courtour in your old gazesta? Nukta, quid denanea is fari gorkik, C103. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school, uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiance after they got chatting online. 
Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you, Jane. And you're very welcome. And I know I have the wrong button up. There you go. Um, good afternoon to you. You're very Hiya. welcome. <laughs> OK, let's start with some questions in from a listeners. Another, your namesake, Jane in Mallow, wants to know, can cats get Alzheimer's? Now, whether she's got a cat acting a bit A bit funny, off. maybe. Mm. You know, this is a really interesting one. I can't give you a cut and dried answer. But yes, we do suspect they can get similar, let's say, brain ageing change. Okay. Um, something akin to let's say dementia dementia yeah. yeah we do see behavioural changes not just in cats but in dogs as they get older sometimes and sometimes there can be a very obvious underlying reason for it they might be showing other clinical signs and it might be something that's directly attributable to a certain problem but sometimes we just see them get a little bit doddery the okay. behaviour changes yeah they go out and they look around like they're lost Ah, oh, bless. Yeah. So yeah. that can happen sometimes too. Now, proving that, getting know, inside a dog or a cat's head to prove something yeah. like that is incredibly challenging. I think yes, in yeah. my opinion. I, you know, there's very little evidence to back it up. But anecdotally, we, we would, would see, see yeah. let's say, our but, older but patients. Once, once the animal like is otherwise healthy and it isn't yeah. distressed it's, by it. It's all about quality of life. Yeah. It really is, particularly in our older patients. If, let's say, they're a bit doddery, the, you know, behaviour isn't what it once was, as long as they're relaxed in themselves, eating and drinking, otherwise healthy and happy, then I would say that's fine. It's, it's old age in another sense. And they've given us at that point a great life. It's up to us to take really great care of them at that stage. I think if you're concerned, pop to your vet just to make sure that nothing else is wrong not, that's no, easily solvable. Yeah. That said... I, there are tablets that we can give, not let's say to cure the problem, but to improve the oxygen delivery to the brain. And sometimes with some dogs and cats, they might have what we call cognitive dysfunction. So they're just acting a little bit oddly. That can give them a little bit of a pep for a little while. Okay. So I think have a chat to your vet. Just talk through exactly what's happening. Get a good physical exam done just to make sure that everything's all right. Um, but I think it, it might just be part and parcel of old age. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how often do you, do you hear and see of, of cats in old age who lose their sight? lose their hearing and yeah. they you know they, yeah. they continue on and, and it's, it is World Pet Day today by the way we is acknowledged it? that oh, yeah goodness. earlier this morning <laughs> uh, now Vera has a cat that's constantly sneezing I have other cats which I'm afraid she says if this is some kind of a, a flu mm-hmm. virus mm-hmm. that the others are going to catch yeah. which they're highly contagious aren't they Potentially, yes. So there's a number of things that can happen with sneezing uh, with little cats, um, particularly if they're, let's say, not up to date on a lot of their vaccinations. Sometimes they can get different types of viruses, very much like ourselves and the flu virus, but they can get different types of flu viruses that are are similar to our human flu, like uh, herpes virus, caliche virus, lots of different ones. Um, And sometimes the virus is enough to make them sneeze and make the nose and the back of the throat quite irritated. Um, But sometimes they can, with the immunity lowered a little bit by the virus sometimes they can get a little bacterial infection on top so sometimes you might notice a, a runny nose or something like that or run, runny eyes are really common in cats when they have let's say a, a, a nasal discharge or you know a, a flu as it were the concern I think is totally valid that your other cats might get it um, I think keep a really close eye on them for the cat that's affected it's definitely best to pop to your vet get them checked out 
sometimes they may need a course of treatment but what I would say is very much like you know viruses in humans we won't let's say automatically prescribe antibiotics because antibiotics don't kill off viruses so I think it you know trust your vet and their judgment as to what's required it may or may not be for your other cats I think make sure they're up to date with their vaccinations because although it may may be something slightly different making sure that they're up to date on their vaccinations prevents some of the underlying viruses that can cause this kind of waxing, waning flu-like symptoms that we get in cats. And unfortunately, it can be quite difficult to resolve with these little viruses. Sometimes they can, some of the sneakier ones can actually kind of hide in the body system. Everything might clear up. A few years later, if they go through a period of stress, let's say a, a change in the household, new baby or moving the furniture around, cats are sensitive creatures, then it can it can rear its ugly head again and you might have round two of the signs and symptoms um so i think visit your vet if and see if treatment is required or if maybe just some time and tlc might be needed but make sure your other cats and, all and are all vaccinated okay now an yeah. interesting one from one of our listeners who has taken on a rescue dog well mm-hmm. done as a german Absolutely. shepherd uh, a two-year-old uh, not very long in the household uh, would you recommend a raw food diet for her she also pulls a lot on the lead otherwise she's adorable we love her so much She's brought a step back in our lives and is great for empty nest syndrome. Uh, When I say a raw diet, I mean as in raw meat and veg diet. I give her a raw carrot that's peeled to chew on and she's getting to love it. How does... How do you feel about a raw diet for a rescue dog? Well, I think first of all, as you say... Well done on the rescue dog. Well done on the rescue dog. And I'm so pleased that it's brought a bit of a a pet back into everything. You know, they are really, really fabulous and they give love back in bounds. So I think uh, really well done for doing that. Pulling a lot on the lead, I think just give her time to settle and, you know, some some training if you need some help. Let's say if she's a big dog by the sounds of it as well. German Shepherd. Um, A two still, still young? It's still reasonably yeah, young. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, If you're struggling, let's say, once things have settled down a little bit with the pulling on the lead, just um, I'd say contact a dog trainer and just see if you can get some helpful advice. Your local vet will probably know who's who's around in the, the area. area and who's trustworthy yeah. Um, because big dogs are can sometimes, you know, pull pull a lot and it can become quite difficult. So I think with the food, first and foremost, raw carrots, fine. In moderation, that's grand. Okay. Raw veg, well, certain types of raw veg, carrots are grand. Um... There's other things we would avoid, for example, you, I suppose you you wouldn't really think about giving it to your dog or cat, but let's say other things like onions, um, some green veg are really, really unsafe to feed raw to your pet. But carrots are fine. That's okay. grand. In moderation, that's no problem. Raw meat. Raw meat is a bit of a controversial issue. Okay, so... Some people say that there's potential benefits like, you know, a lustrous coat, less health problems. These are all of the things that if you do a quick Google of raw diet on the Internet, you'll have all of these fabulous sites telling you of the wonders of a raw diet. The one thing I would say as a medical professional is there is no evidence to support any of those claims. OK. OK. Some people make the argument that dogs are, they're low, like wolves, they're descended from wolves. Yes, but thousands of years ago, they've evolved in a totally different direction now. So whereas wolves, let's say, were carnivores just eating meat. And only ate raw. And only ate raw. Dogs are very different. They have now evolved in a slightly different way to have a meat and starch bait diet. So they don't have just meat. Okay, so they will eat other things. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. 
Um, so some people are with the best of intentions trying to get back to their roots, do the most natural thing for them. But I think it's really important to inform yourself about what, what is the most natural thing for them to eat. And I think they, they do need a balanced diet and balanced for them will mean more than just meat on its own. Okay. okay. So they need other things like they need the correct level of calcium and they also need starch based products. Okay. Mm. Now, with the diet itself, there is a huge amount of risk involved with raw feeding. Okay. I know some people think they're being very careful and that it can be done in a a safe way. So they think even the packaged products that are designed as raw products that you would buy, let's say a a nature-based diet, there's loads of them on the market, absolutely loads. Nothing is 100% safe. Okay. Okay. Handling those products very much like ourselves handling raw meat, salmonella is a risk and listeria is a risk. And believe me, you do not want either of those in your household. Okay. Okay. I think particular, very large no-nos are if you have kids, do not feed a raw diet to your dogs because it only takes a poo to come out, a little bit of salmonella or listeria on it, the kid to go out in the grass and all of a sudden you have a health disaster. Okay. Similarly for adults, our tolerance for that is really, really low. And there have been terrible cases where people have got these, let's say, multi-resistant bacteria into Mm. their systems through, let's say, habitual connection with their dog. And it has become a massive health concern. Because people let dogs lick their face. Exactly. Kissing their faces and things like that. And I know it's just a sign of affection, but if you're feeding a raw food diet, it is really, really dangerous. And there's no getting around the risk. I think kids and immunosuppressed, let's say older people or people with illnesses, it's a big no-no if you have somebody like that in your household or coming into your household. I think if uh, an average healthy person, if that's the risk you want to take, then that's that's your risk to take. I would not advise it. And that's okay. my own personal opinion on it. There's also a risk to the dog. Let's say a young puppy, their ability to handle any bacterial load is really, really low. So feeding a raw diet in a puppy is a big, big no-no. Okay. Okay. Similarly, older dogs. And I know this is only a two year old dog. Yeah. yeah. And even a healthy adult dog, it's very much like ourselves. I could be a healthy adult and eat something that had bacteria in it and get food poisoning. It's exactly the same with dogs. Yeah. And you're taking that risk. I wouldn't eat raw meat. So why should I feed it to my dog? Okay. Yeah, and, I, and I'm wondering where the listener is coming yeah. from on this. Was it something that they read online? No, or something? and you know, I think this listener sounds like a really, really responsible dog owner. They've rescued a dog and they're clearly trying to do some research. And trying going to on. do the best. And really, really well done for that. But I think the, the thing is, there is so much information out there and some of it's really well evidence-based, but the vast majority out there is not. Yeah, And okay. I think as an owner, it's incredibly difficult. And I, my, I commend you trying to go out there and, you know, get the information for yourself yeah. and try and make a really balanced decision on it. There is an awful lot of misinformation out there. And a lot of the time, the misinformation is the most uh, friendly presented. Uh, it's the easiest to read. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time, it's it's the thing that will come up first. I think yeah. be really aware of the risks. It is your own decision, but I think try and get some information I suppose have a good read on the internet but be very mindful of what you're reading and where it's coming from yeah and, and you and she wants yeah. to do you know they, you want to do the, the family right they thing. want to do yeah. the best for this dog if, if this dog has had a bad start so you want yeah. to make sure things right so a nut based diet I think a complete yeah. nut based diet yeah. is the best nuts mainly because of the teeth to be totally honest a good yeah. bit of crunch in there is good but nut based diet they're complete now another I suppose health warning on that is I think with diets there's good and bad out there Mm. speak to your vet 
they'll let you know what they have experience with and then you can make your decision as to what you go on but a complete nut-based diet in this case for an adult dog is the best way to go it will have a correct balance of all the protein vitamins minerals needed but most importantly things like calcium which is in a raw food diet pretty much impossible to get the correct levels of and some people will add in let's say chunks of bone and that's a whole other hazard as regards let's say foreign bodies okay but you want to give them the correct a proper balanced diet that's what it's all about listen as always your mind of information Jane thank you for that and uh, we'll talk again next week that's uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul Nick with you talk to you tomorrow Court Today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie He's one of the world's most popular performers. Selling over 150 million records. With 33 top 40 hits and 23 Grammy nominations. Now, see him live in New York VIP style. With C103. to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. Madison Square Garden on May 2nd. Stay listening to C103. Then text or WhatsApp every time Billy Joel plays. For your chance to get in the grand final. Billy Joel in the Big Apple starts Monday 24th with AmigoLoans.ie on Cork's greatest hits, C103.